0: Welcome to the Breakthrough Podcast. I'm J. Paul Freidenmaker, and I am amazed by all you folks who do fundraising, inviting generous people to resource causes all over the world. In the Breakthrough Podcast, we interview high net worth givers globally to listen and learn about how we as fundraisers can do our best work in inviting people to the party. Thank you for listening in. This is Breakthrough Podcast Numero Uno, and I am excited to introduce you to one of my featured co-hosts, Todd DeKreiter. Todd and I have been friends for many years now and share a passion for inviting people into the miracle of generosity. Our plan is that 80% of the episodes will be interviews with generous givers about their experiences of being approached for gifts. And about 20% of the episodes are conversations with industry experts on ideas, tips, strategies, in major donor fundraising. So from time to time, we'll slip in other special interviews, which we just enjoy and believe that you will as well. So I'll be interviewing Todd about his family and giving journey in a separate podcast, and I'll introduce him properly at that point. But I love this description about him that I read recently. Todd has the mind of an entrepreneur, the heart of a pastor and a background in a successful family business. So this episode coming up here is part one of two It's a lively discussion, covering lots of ground, telling some stories and talking shop about major donor fundraising. All right, let's listen in as Todd and I talk about the breakthrough podcast. Okay. So my name is Jay Paul Frydenmaker. I'm here with my buddy Todd de Kreiter. Yeah, which you can say it. Don't try and
1: spell it. That's true. With a d- good Dutch name, you got to throw everybody off. Yeah, yeah.
0: Kreiter. C- <laughs>
1: I've heard Sorry. every different version of it. I'm sure you have. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, just I, I think I would put Friedenmaker up against that. It's so true. It's true. I have been wanting to do a podcast like this for a while, and I'll tell you. Well, the you, first
1: time we talked about it was at least four or five years ago. Was it really? Yeah, it was. I was in my old office. So yeah, it had to be at least four years ago.
0: And part, I'll tell you, Todd, part of the reason I want to do this is I want to kind of shift the center of gravity. I don't know if that's the right way of saying it, the conversation for people who are raising money to move to a space where they're enjoying it and being productive at it. And I've always felt that that one of the ways that is, I know one of the ways that's been helpful for me is when people who are high net worth and they're doing major giving and and, and they have those kinds of resources, when when I'm able to listen to their story and hear them talk about what life is like kind of on their side of things, that it actually was super helpful to me in, in the role I was playing of inviting.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that, I think part of the, the, when the people are on the asking side, take time to understand either the actual person they're talking to, which is ideal, but also knowing the broader context of, yeah, it's different issues, right? Um, I was in financial planning for eight years and I got to see the behind the scenes for a lot of folks, uh, from that standpoint. And, we use the phrase preferred form of poverty, <laughs> yeah, meaning, and not everybody, there are some people that were very frugal and all this kind of thing, but there, there was a lot of folks that were the same financial situation that people have on 50000 Like if you re- look at Stats for America, you're on 50000 you have X percent of consumer debt, and you're living beyond your means and whatever. That's a certain amount of pressure when you make 50000 It's a very different sort of pressure when you're making 500000 and it's a radically different pressure if you're making $5 million a year. But you're still above your skis and all this kind of stuff. The pressure and weirdness there is odd. Right. In not everybody's that way, for sure. Mo- most of the folks that I've dealt with, I'm actually Dutch, and most of my community is Dutch, and they're frugal, and they, you know, made the millionaire next door kind of idea where they're living on a very little amount and giving drastically. Um, but that's a weird world as well. Like, yeah. So, so there's, there's guilt and there's shame and there's all these quarter weird things that we rarely ever talk about. Yeah. Um, but how do we step in there and minister to that person? And literally, everybody probably overuses the phrase, want something more for them than from them. Right. But that's probably the critical piece is you're going in there and asking, which you eventually need to get to the ask and be good at it and excellent and raise money for what you're raising money for. Yeah. What you need it from them. Yeah, that's right. But if somehow you can move your mindset to wanting more for them, mm-hmm. oh my word, yeah, that's where I think the enjoyment comes in. Yes. Um, that's where the conversation moves, where you become actually friends. Yeah. So you can grow that relationship mm-hmm. and yeah, it's enjoyable and you're actually going to raise money better. Like when you, yeah. when you have that mindset, and again, these people have very astute suspicion meters. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> Meaning yeah. if you say, oh, no, 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 we don't need it from you, brother. Come on, dude. Yeah, yeah. You, you've got a capital campaign you're raising. You, you've got a deal. Um, don't ignore that. That's right. Yeah. But if your heart wants more for them, which means tragedy happens in the family, you lay aside the capital campaign and you sit there. Right. Right. You got to yeah. be there in those moments. And you know, we, we can talk back and forth. We're getting ahead of our skis. Yeah. A bit no,
0: we this. can't. No, that's really helpful. That's. But, but I th- I think the interesting part is that you and I. You kind of represent, you've come from a wealthy family. You're third yep. generation of a wealthy family. We're gonna do an episode where we hear your story. Um, oh, I don't man, come... what a story it is. Yeah, <laughs> what a story. <laughs> I tell you what, people. Just wait. Um, I don't come from a wealthy family. In fact, in some ways I've I've often reflected it's God's sense of humor. The <laughs> the work that I've been able to do even really over the last 10 years with yeah. generosity path and generous yeah. giving. Um, and so I think the two of us together, now we are not going to co-host every time, but the two of us together often are going to interview people yeah. to hear their stories. And in a sense to kind of lift the hood a little bit yeah. for the the folks out there that are doing the inviting and to see if we can, make a little dent in that awkwardness and some of that 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 tends to just make it tough you totally know? Agree. Um, i i think uh, i'd love to see more people who are staying in fundraising and development for longer periods of time you know yeah. we always hear about the <clears throat> turnover and the attrition and
1: all of that stuff. Well, and I've been on both sides of it, too. So we've been on the the giving side. But then after I sold my financial planning practice, I spent a good chunk of time helping with single-family offices and foundations on governance and giving. And so I've played both the the giver side. I've played the – I wasn't in major donor development for long, but I've played the asking side. But Mm. then I've also played a go-between between between those two, which has been fun. Uh, So maybe there's a third category. Yep. Um, or their connector, whatever you want to call it. And that's probably where I'm playing more now is that connector piece. Yeah. Um, don't have a lot of dry powder currently, which is yeah. a, another fun phrase. <laughs> that's right. Um, th- that's yeah. the other thing that's also weird about this space yeah. is is there's a book, um, a guy named Jim Grubman wrote it called uh, Strangers in Paradise. Okay. And the analogy is that this world of affluence and wealth is like a new land that people have immigrated to. Mm-hmm. And it has its own customs and language and gatekeepers and all this kind of stuff. And the first generation, so 80% of those who are wealthy are the first generation to be wealthy. And they're used to the old world. So you have a hard work ethic and all the stuff that comes with being part of the old world, the you know, not so wealthy world. Yeah. And they feel like, for the most part, they're strangers mm-hmm. to this new land of paradise. And then the analogy is, what do you do with your kids and your grandkids, who who then feel at home and natives to this newer land? Right. But that analogy works because most of those people, if you're first generation to this world, um, it feels odd. You're not used to the country clubs or talking about private equity terms and you know earnouts and all this kind of weird language that we have. And every you know, venture capital is different than the private equity world is different than whatever. So they have all these terms that are weird. And most of the people that are asking. Are not from that world themselves right. and so they're going in the guy again who's selling his business or the gal who's selling their business goes well we got an earn out we got this and they just rattled off these terms because their investment banker just did that with him right they may not fully understand the terms as well right and they're talking to a development guys going uh, what uh, you're doing a I, I did, I'm not sure I understood that strategy oh yeah. well it's all right. we got a second we got a second slug that we can pull and, and, and all these kind of weird terms like, <laughs> I, I think I you, so you sold part of it and then you'll sell part of it later yeah. or what what just happened yeah and they don't get it and it's yeah. this weird vocabulary weird language right. um, and that's a, 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 one of the barriers I think between the two parties
0: sure. well and and yeah often we're looking for cash yeah where probably most of your net worth and assets and all that is not liquid yes yeah um, which is a whole nother
1: discussion which we'll means have. cash that's right which yeah. for, the, for the brand newbie liquid yeah means yes. available to that's to, yeah, right yeah. it's not the coffee and my my, my illiquid asset yeah that's yeah. right that's right but it's 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 amazing how like even terms like that if you don't know it will throw you yes right yeah. and and that's maybe a basic one you probably knew that one I'm guessing yeah but some of the other terms like yeah. when you're going to sell a business or a trance or earnouts or esops or all this kind of stuff there there really is a weird vocabulary which yeah. you need to know some of it not all of it for sure, sure. and yeah. and by the way one of the easiest things is when they say a term you don't understand you go you lost me right I'm not sure I followed that what is that term yeah right because that's the that other thing. It never gets you in trouble. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Because <laughs> in every, every industry, is going to be slightly different too, right? So if right. you're dealing with somebody that's in manufacturing versus in... Um, like my family uh, ran and sold a garbage company. Yeah. So we have our own terms in the garbage world, which yep. is weird to think about. But it is. Like they have, you know, h- how you did the front end loaders and all this kind of stuff. And there's not a ton of it yeah. in the garbage space. But if you're in manufacturing or flavorings or, you know, whatever industry you're sitting in... Um, they have their own terms and insider information and knowledge. And some of that is just, you go, Hey, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't follow you. Yeah, that's right. Ask. That's right. Just ask. So I'm excited. We're
0: excited. Totally. To give this a go. Yeah. We hope that you guys will listen on a regular basis. Give us feedback. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. Um, From time to time, we're going to have a, Kind of a, a, a talking shop episode or pro tips or whatever you want to call. Teaching. That's right. Yeah. And and that'll be, you know, some of those will be Todd and I, but I'm gonna I want us to think about our favorite development folks out there that we bring on.
1: Totally. And we just kind of talk shop. Yeah. With them. What's working, what's not working. Absolutely. Yeah, love that. But so, most of the time then, it's going to be stories with high net worth folks. That's right. Or whatever euphemism we say for rich. Yeah, givers. Let's,
0: let's call it uh, uh, 20%, 80%. So okay. every five episodes, we'll do talking shop
1: once, yep. and we'll do four interviews. Perfect. Cool. But the idea though behind the interviews is yeah. what?
0: Okay, so what I want uh, to do is to, uh, it's for the development tribe. I, I, I think right. about this. Being for my, I I have my people group over here that is where I really feel God has called me to minister in a sense, to pastor, to love, to challenge, to disciple, you know, whatever you want to say over here, which is high net worth.
1: And as well, you're still in the game as well. You're still from time to time doing the raising.
0: That's right. That's right. I'm front, I haven't been frontline for, uh, true blue frontline for about 10 years. Okay. I mean I helped Daryl raise money from his friends for gener- generous giving generosity path. Yeah. It's a little bit different.
1: <laughs> but again, that's more of that middle person, right? It is.
0: That when you said that c- kind of connector role, yeah. that's what I identify with really the last 10 to 12 years yeah. more. Um the the frontline stuff, you know, was really um up until about 2010, 2011.
1: So Meaning you were a, a donor rep or an advancement person within correct, a specific or nonprofit. or leading teams. Yeah. That's right. Yeah.
0: So, But that's my first love. So when I think about my motivation for doing a podcast like this, having conversations like this, my heart is for that tribe of people yeah. that I came from yeah. that is out there doing the inviting, which I think is an amazing thing to get to do. Yeah. Um, And not a whole lot of people think that.
1: Well, I don't know who to attribute it to. And I've actually heard it probably to three different people. I think the one it's actually attributed to is like Spurgeon or Moody. But they said that the fundraisers will stand next to the martyrs in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it actually is Moody. I like to think it's somebody like that. Yeah. But the idea is it's a weird role. Yeah. Right. It's unique. It's, it's odd. It's relational. Um, but at the same time, there's some weird details that'll get in there. Yeah. Like I connected a, a a single family office foundation to this nonprofit and I was talking to the head of the the nonprofit. I'm like, Hey, just, you know, Peter, um, you've had due diligence questions before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> look out because he's gonna and and the donor rep that connected is as well. So there's four of us on the call: the the head of the nonprofit, the major donor rep, me, and then the the foundation head, the principal. Yep. And oh my word. Like he went to, he's a, well, I looked on your, your I, I was on your night, I was looking at your online stuff on Guidestone and I saw this and I saw this and I saw this. I saw this. But my question was in regards to your, your uh, annual report that you gave three years ago, bum, bum, bum. Like it was like, yeah. But that's his grid, right? He okay. comes from a financial background, right. ran and sold a financial planning company, um, you know, it, but knows due diligence. And oh my goodness, like it was a, I'm like, oh, <laughs> one crazy astute. Yeah. Crazy in depth and your major donor rep is gonna be like, I I love mom, that right. kind of question. The guy that runs the organization was savvy enough to go, I'm so glad you caught that. That was a really great deal. Let me explain the story. Yeah. Right? And handled it with dignity and grace. It was really fun. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's the world you're sitting in is this weird yes. kind of go between it's relational, yes, but then there's this detail thing of projects and whatever that, that's right. Again, you don't have to know all the details, right? That that's one of the things I want to just breathe, right? But right. your job is to connect with people and invite them to the adventure, right? That's right. Yeah,
0: but you know what struck me in relation to this podcast is we're kind of modeling. If you if we say okay, here's our in, here's our fictional person right here that we're going to the resource partner, the resource partner, whatever you want to call. There's him. so many euphemisms in this <clears> world. <throat> <laughs> I know there are so many. <laughs> By the way, I'll tell you a funny story. When I first started in fundraising, this is in the late 90s. Okay. And I made the mecca that so many Christian evangelical fundraisers make to Chattanooga. Oh, yeah. To do a, a pitch to the McClellan Foundation. Yeah. And I got to meet Hugh O. McClellan. With um, his orthopedic shoes. <laughs> That's right. Can I say that? I don't know if I can. I don't we can cut that. <laughs> cut it, cut it, cut it. Um, Hugh, Hugh, yeah, such a gracious guy. Oh, I mean, he's, he's awesome. just a sweetie. Yeah. And so he came up, gave me a big sw- smile, shook my hand. He knew I was working with this guy, Phil Butler, that he really respected. And, and he goes, so what do you do? And, and I said, um, well, I'm, I'm, I help Phil, um, with development work or something like that. Yeah. And he goes, so you're a fundraiser. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Nice." Oh yeah. Maybe I should uh, just say that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, or it's, a, it's advancement. It's I don't, I I'm, on, I was, a, I'm I, on a team with relational building capacity I using, with.
0: Yeah. My favorite one of late is, um, you know, director of philanthropy or, or director of generosity. Yeah. is a lot of what yeah. we see these days.
1: And that's fine. Whatever your title is, go for it. But yeah. at a certain point, But don't be – that's the other piece is don't be afraid of that. Right. Right? So when somebody calls you out on your title and is like, well, you're director of advancedity. Sounds like you're trying to raise cash, kid. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yeah, I am. (laughs) (laughs) They're calling you out. It's fine. It's fine. They love doing that. I I think there's – again, I don't know if we're going to ever get into personality profiles, but a good chunk of these people, whether you're Enneagram, they're threes or eights, whether they're on the disc, they're a high D – whatever it is, certain people, they're blunt, right? Their hands are never sweaty when they're getting asked for money. Your hands are. And they have coping mechanisms to deal with the weirdness that's there too. right? I was dealing with a a ultra high net worth family and I was talking through these dynamics and he goes, well, yeah, that's weird. But it goes with the territory or Well, it comes with the, you know, you kind of have to put up with some what whatever the awkwardness, right? Cuz he was referencing a, a friend and he goes, "Oh my god, let me tell you a story, dude. This guy asked me and it was so awkward. It was whatever. It, it was it was a bad. I forget all the details, but it was it was, yeah. I remember just laughing with him going, "Oh, dude." Yeah. <laughs> he said it's something painful sometimes. Oh, it's yeah. It, but again, just calling it out and go, hey, you know, it's Patrick Lencioni talks about when you lead a meeting and your pits are sweaty and you can raise your pits and go, dude, check that out. My pits are sweaty. Just call out the awkwardness, right? Yeah. And be like, all right, but hey, let's go. You know, in the moments when you're in a relationship with somebody and you can have like a, a DTR type of moment and be like, that was not my best. Can I, can I stop? Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Um, I'm not sure where that came from or right. that was stupid or whatever it is. Call it out. Yeah. Right. You you don't need to just yeah. keep plowing through. Like my brother did this once. My brother is uh, that's the other thing that's unique about me. Yeah. And I need to be careful telling this story now because okay. I need to think. Through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Sorry. my brother went and tells a story, and he went and visited a guy. And um, it was literally get to know him. You know, not gonna ask for money early, early on in relationship. He had went to somebody before and had a meeting canceled. That he actually was gonna bring material for an ask to this guy and that meeting was left. So in his briefcase is the material for the ask. Mm. He's dealing with a guy, the meeting went really well, the first meeting, and he's having the conversation and he's like, oh, well, send me something about it, whatever, I'm actually interested. So early meeting shows interest, my brother reaches into his briefcase and goes, well, I actually have, and the look on the guy's face was, oh crap, this was from the beginning. And that's not my brother's heart, my brother's good at this. Like we should maybe have my brother on sometime. Right. and he genuinely was, no, I want to be here with you. He had the right approach. He was talking to the guy, going the long game, developing relationship. And it went really, really well. Mm-hmm. And the moment he reaches in his briefcase to do the ask and hand of material ahead of time, yeah. was the guy was like, oh, this was all a setup. You didn't care about the stuff you just shared, whatever. Oh. And my brother called me and he's like, I probably should have said something about, that's not what I, I, was, I, I didn't mean to, you know, and just, right. but it was awkward and it kind of lingered and whatever. Um, but in those moments, my point is, yeah. is what I'm telling the story is if that happens, mm-hmm. you can go, Hey, let me call something out. I, I just noticed your face really just dropped when yep. I did that. Um, background, right. I was coming here genuinely to do this. I don't want to wreck any of the cool conversation we just had Yep. in I was with a guy that had, and I was prepared to do the ask for him yep. and we've had relationship with him. I've known him for three years and the meeting got canceled cause he was busy, whatever. And so I just had this in my briefcase. Right. I was not intending to give it yep. and I feel as though I'm going to take that back or whatever, like call something out like that and right. just have that kind <clears throat> of weird, awkward, what in a dating world you call a defining the relationship or a DTR and you yep. talk about the relationship. Yep. It's okay to have those moments. It is. That's and in right. that kind of a setting, it'd probably be essential for him to go, hey, wait, wait, sorry, I wasn't intending to do that. Let me, let me stop. Yep. I'm sorry. Can I, can I back up? Mm-hmm. <laughs> can yeah. I redo that again? Yeah. Can I get a mulligan? You yeah. know. Uh, and then take, if, if I think to going back to how my brother probably wished he would have handled it, said, I'm actually going to take that back from you. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's appropriate. Or yep. Whatever it is. Yep. You've got to have some of those EQ skills to be able to see and everybody in the room—if there was more people watching—it was just the two of them. But everybody in the room would have gone like, "Oh, you know," the commentary would like, "Look at the face! Yes. Oh, he dropped!" You know? Yeah, it's 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 one of those kind of moments. Yeah. Um, but that's that's what we're talking about—is those kind of weird, fun back and forths, right, yep. between the the donor, the resource partner, and and the advancement person.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which okay, so let's talk about this a little bit. So yeah. you said. In in order to do that, you've got to have your EQ's got to be dialed up. Yeah. A little bit. So here's what I think about when I'm when when I when I think about what are practical ways to dial that up, I think about awareness. Okay. I I make a decision. I'm going in to talk with somebody, and I make a decision to just be aware. Yeah. To be aware of of them. You you talked about face. That is so. That's such a big deal. Yeah. You know, you see a face drop and it's not that you call that out every time, but boy,
1: you've gotta be be aware of that.
0: Yes. The other thing I think about in, in dialing up my EQ is curiosity. Yeah. So if I can if I can go into a meeting, talking with somebody, and I've got my awareness muscle, yeah, and my curiosity muscles are Flexed and ready to go. Yeah, I'm probably setting myself up for success to be able to do totally what you're talking about, um, and and giving myself some freedom and grace to take the meeting a certain direction. Recognize that that's not hitting well, right? And call it out. Yeah, and and just say, hey, give me some feedback here or something right. you don't like. Yeah, that. Yeah. That's okay to do. Yeah. yeah. The Breakthrough Podcast is produced by myself, J. Paul Freidenmaker. Special thanks to Todd DeKreider for co-hosting with me. Be sure to listen to part two of our discussion about the launch of The Breakthrough Podcast. And may you break through to radical generosity in your efforts to invite people to join your cause.